We all love to get out on the open road, see the country, feel the wind in our hair. But if you have the same car you've been driving for years, you might not feel so great after a car breakdown, unless you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield is America's most trusted vehicle protection company, and for almost 20 years, they've helped Americans protect their out-of-warranty vehicles. From car and trucks to SUVs, a plan through CarShield can protect up to 5,000 parts and systems and save you big dollars on your engine, transmission, entertainment system, and more. It's as easy as going to carshield.com Shapiro. With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service, as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to carshield.com Shapiro now. That's carshield.com Shapiro to save 20% today. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, citizens in Michigan are standing up to the tyranny from their power-drunk governor. Is this the start of a trend? Are we going to see more and more of this around the country? I really hope so. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including CNN anchor Chris Cuomo making some interesting admissions about his job that I, I sort of appreciate, though, what he had to say. So we'll discuss that. And in our daily cancellation, the executive editor of the New York Times offers an absolutely ridiculous justification for why the paper has treated the allegations against Joe Biden, the sexual assault allegations against Biden, so differently from how it treated the allegations against Kavanaugh. Of course, we know the real reason why why there is this disparity, but uh, he, he came up with his own excuse, and it's so bad that, unfortunately, um, it pains me to do it, but I have to cancel him for it. So all of that on the way. But first, I want to begin real quick with, uh, with this. I, just something I have to say at the top. You know, I sent out this tweet over the weekend uh, where I would take a look at it here, where I criticize those videos that you see all over TikTok now of nurses doing these choreographed dance routines at, at hospitals around the country. Um, and as you can see there, I, I said, uh, we were told we had to willingly plunge ourselves into a Great Depression because hospitals are being overwhelmed. Meanwhile, TikTok is full of videos of hospital staff performing choreographed dance routines. What a joke, this whole thing infuriating. That's what I said. Okay. The point being, well, I think the point's pretty straightforward. I think my, my point there is, is, is pretty obvious. There, there, millions of people have lost their jobs because we're told about overwhelmed, overrun hospitals. And you know, imagine being one of those people, maybe in line at a food bank, and you go and you check your phone and you see a, another video of, 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 of nurses literally dancing in the hallways of, of, of empty hospitals. Okay. That might make you a little bit upset. And that was my point. Now, the response to this tweet that I sent has been extraordinary, extraordinarily bad um, for the most part. People have been very upset. I've been getting criticized very harshly for it because I have dared to criticize uh, the saint, the sainted nurses, which, uh, you know, you're, you're just not allowed to do that. You can't, you can't criticize them for anything they do right now. Um, and because apparently I am anti-fun and anti-joy. I am against people having any sort of fun at all. Because I'm against nurses doing choreographed dance routines and recording it and putting it online in the middle of a pandemic and a shutdown that has cost millions of people their jobs, because I'm against that, it means I'm against fun in general, which is true, of course. I am against fun, as you, as you know. Um, I've been informed that my tweet is uh, insensitive, cruel, judgmental, on and on and on. And people have said I need to apologize. I need to apologize profusely, take it down, delete it. So, um, after all this uh, criticism, I've had time to reflect, and I just want to say, I need to say, I'm not sorry um, 
about anything that I said at all. And if you're offended, um, I'm not sorry that you're offended. In fact, I don't care about your feelings. Um, I just don't. It has no sway or pull with me whatsoever. It makes no difference. So I just don't care. Um, even if I was wrong, I still wouldn't apologize on principle. I'm not going to apologize when you've got a gang of whiny idiots demanding one. Even in that case, I could be 100% wrong, and I still wouldn't. But in this case, I'm not wrong. I'm 100% right, and uh, if you disagree with my point here, then you're wrong. And again, I don't apologize. If I could do it all over again, I would do the exact same thing. And a million more emails will not make me change my opinion. Because, and this is the point I really want to drive home. When you get mad and you scream at me and you tell me I'm wrong, and that I need to stop having the opinion that I have, and I need to stop expressing the opinion that I've expressed, all that does is make me even more sure of my opinion and more likely to say it even louder. So again, not sorry at all, and I just want to clarify that. And it's good to get, you know, it's good to get that off, off your chest. A little bit of a conflict resolution there. Okay. Now let's uh, let's check out some positive news. I consider this to be positive. And in fact, before we do that, speaking of positive news, I want to check in with our good friends over at Rock Auto. You know, if you if you're having trouble right now with your car, um, especially with all the different, you know, depending on where you live, with all the different policies and laws. I mean, where are you allowed to go? Can you even go? Do you want to go to a to a auto parts store? Um, it's just better to cut all that out and you can just pick up your phone or go on your computer and go to rockauto.com. It's much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to questions that you might not have an answer to, and then they're just going to order the part online anyway. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, very easy to navigate, has everything from engine control modules and brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, everything you need. And it's a family business. Even though this is an online business, they've been doing it for a long time, 20 years, but it's also a family business, which uh, you know is important to me. So that's 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 also good. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices, best selection, just everything you could want. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, or truck. Write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that we sent you. All right. Um, now let's check out some. As I said, some other other positive news. Uh, I consider this to be positive. Some citizens are rising up and taking action. The Michigan Conservative Coalition and the Michigan Freedom Fund, two organizations, have organized a protest uh, at the state capitol in Michigan. Thousands of people are expected to show up, descending on the city, in their cars. They're going to stay in their cars. They're not getting out of the cars. But uh, they're going to be in their cars. It's kind of like a, a march, except in their cars. And they're going to circle the Capitol building, and there's going to be gridlock, there's going to be traffic. That's the idea, to, to make a statement against um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer and some of the, the, the measures that she has adopted, ostensibly, supposedly, to fight the uh, coronavirus epidemic. But really, it's just about her flexing her muscle and her power, and that's what this is all about. So they're going to be standing up against that. Now, Emperor Whitmer has, like so many other mini emperors around the country, taken advantage of the crisis, of course, to grab uh, power that she is not entitled to and to boost her national profile, which is a big thing for her, obviously. She's a petty, narcissistic tyrant. She's drunk on fame and power. Um, she's the kind of politician who, and there are a lot of these in government, the kind of politician who 
would have been dangerous with the power given to her. Like if she was an assistant manager at a, at a pizza place, she would have been dangerous with that amount of power over a few people, you know, over like three teenagers working with for her at a, at a pizza place. She would have been dangerous with that power. But you make her governor and you put her into the middle of an emergency situation like this and she goes literally insane with power. She becomes basically like this. Yeah, that, that's really governors all across the country have become like Jafar after he gets after he gets the genie's lamp at the end of Aladdin and wishes to become the most powerful genie in the world. I could have gone with maybe the Gollum and the ring analogy would have worked too, but I decided to go with the more millennial uh, reference, which by the way, the one problem I have with that, with that movie is at the end, you know, Jafar becomes the most powerful genie and then it turns out that he gets tricked because now he's a slave as a genie and then Aladdin, Aladdin puts him back in the lamp and he's you know, stuck in the lamp now. And then the good genie, Robin Williams, the, the Robin Williams genie, he takes the lamp with the evil genie and he just chucks it into the desert. And I'm thinking that is not probably the safest disposal method for evil genies. You're just throwing it into the desert. It was Aladdin found the thing in a desert. Someone's just going to find it and we're going to go through all this again. So why not, I mean, put it at the bottom of the ocean at least or burn it? Anyway, um, so there's going to be a protest, and that's great. And this is exactly what we need to happen. Just to give you an idea of why Emperor Whitmer is being protested, she instituted a stay-at-home order back several weeks ago, like they have in many states now. But, um, which, as we talked yesterday, is, is not a quarantine, okay? This is, these are, we call them stay-at-home orders, but really it's effectively house arrest. She has placed the entire state under house arrest, which she also does not have the authority to do. But no one's worried about that anymore. Um, but this past week, she made it even stricter. And now, by decree of the emperor, residents are banned from, for example, traveling between their own residences. Okay, so if, if you happen to own two houses in Michigan, you cannot go from one house to the other. Why? Well, no reason. There's not any reason for that. It, it, it's, it's, there's, if you, live in a house and you get out of your house and you, you you cross your yard into your driveway, you get in your car and then you drive to your second house and you get out of the car and you go, there's really no point in between that whole process where you're likely to contract or spread the virus. So there's no reason to ban that except for the fact that Emperor Whitmer can, so she does. Um, also, uh, let's see, there's a bunch of other stuff in this in this new order Read, I'm going to read now from the text of the emperor's order. It says, subject to the exceptions in section seven of this order, uh, blah, 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 all individuals currently living in uh, within the state of Michigan are ordered to stay at home or at their place of residence. Subject to the same exceptions, all public and private gatherings of any number of people occurring among persons uh, uh, not part of a single household are prohibited. Okay. Private gatherings of any number of people are prohibited. Well, what does that mean? It means you are barred in Michigan from welcoming your own family members into your home. 
If you have a, a brother who lives across town, he's not allowed to enter your house. This is an order from the emperor of Michigan saying your brother cannot come to your house or your uncle or a grandmother or whoever else. Uh, Emperor Whitmer has assumed the power to tell residents that they cannot have their own families in their homes. This is something, now I, I would call this dictatorial, but this is, this is trailblazing as a dictator, really, because as far as I know, now I'm not really familiar totally with the uh, legislation in a place like North Korea, but as far as I know, even Kim Jong-un has not thought of this. He hasn't even thought of telling the peasants of North Korea that they can't have their own families over for dinner. Um, so this is, she, she's, she's blazing a new trail. The, the supreme leader of uh, North Korea is looking at the supreme leader of Michigan and thinking, wow, that's a good, I, I, I should have thought of that. These, these, are, these are some good ideas. He's like taking notes while he reads these uh, executive orders. Um, now, on, on top of that, she's also, uh, as, as has happened in many other states, she has told uh, the so-called essential retailers what they're allowed to sell and what they're not allowed to sell. And we'll, we'll, in, in, in the, the exceptions and the things that are not accepted are pretty absurd. We'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, I want to check in with our good friends over at LifeLock. You know, it, it's, it's good to be uh, prepared for every potential eventuality. I know people who are always prepared for everything. You know, um, I'm not one of those people. I am not a very well-prepared I wasn't a very good Boy Scout in terms of being prepared, but I know people are. I wish that I was, and that's where LifeLock comes in. There are some people, you know, seem like they're prepared for anything, and uh, if you have a cut, you know, they're going to have a bandage or a Band-Aid. If you need a battery, they've got multiple sizes on it. We, I don't have that. I've got, when I need a battery, I'm, we're always harvesting it from a remote, and, you know, you're, you're, you're stitching together batteries from other things that have batteries now. Uh, so I'm not one of those people either. But uh, when it comes to something like identity theft, I think that's where we all need to be prepared. Um, this is something that's happening more and more these days. Breaches are happening. And with your breached information, like your name, social security number, and more, criminals can commit identity theft. And that's why LifeLock sees more threats, like someone taking out a payday loan in your name. Uh, and they can alert you to, to possible suspicious activity. And they're going to be, they're going to be better equipped to find those threats, uh, than you are just yourself. And hey, if something does happen, and God forbid you have your identity stolen, then they've got identity theft restoration specialists who are just a phone call away, and they can take care of it for you. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions all the time, but with breaches on the rise, doesn't it make sense to be as prepared as you possibly can be? Join LifeLock today and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash walls. That's lifelock.com slash walls to save 25% off. Okay, also, the, the emperor decrees that the following sections of all stores, for all the essential stores that are still allowed to be open, according to her decree, are to be cordoned off. That is uh, carpeting or flooring. Can't sell carpeting or flooring. Furniture, garden centers and plant nurseries, and paint. Those are the things she's decided. If, if you go and try to buy one of those, you might get coronavirus. So you can't, you can't buy that. Garden centers and plant nurseries. So you can't grow your own vegetables because of coronavirus. Now, I would think that now is, in a, is, is especially a good time to have your own garden and grow your own vegetables because it provides you with fresh produce and all the natural vitamins that come with that. It makes you healthy. Uh, and you don't have to go to the store as much because you, you, you can grow it in your own garden. I would think this is a perfect time for that. 
If anything, the government should be encouraging people to go and buy seeds and start their own gardens. But uh, no, it's gone the other way. She says you can't. You can't do that. Um, someone, I was talking about this, and, and someone told me this morning on Twitter, defending the governor's order, the emperor, sorry, uh, rather, use her appropriate title, saying that, no, 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 it's, it's not that you can't buy seeds and plants. It's just that you can't buy it at a big box retailer. So if you're at Walmart or Target or something, you can't go to their garden center because those are shut down. But you can go to a separate place and buy seeds and, and vegetables and plants and stuff. Now, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Okay, I don't, I don't know exactly. In Michigan, are, are it, you know, there, there are actual garden stores. Uh, are those places allowed to be open? I don't know. But the fact that this person thinks that that's a defense, see, that would make it even more arbitrary and ridiculous. Because then what they're telling you is if you're already at, let's say, Walmart buying groceries and you want some seeds to start a garden, you can't just walk across the aisle and grab some, which would be the easiest and quickest and safest thing. Instead, you have to get in your car and go to a separate place across town instead of just walking across the store. So if that's how it's working, that doesn't make it better. That makes it 10 times worse because now it's even more arbitrary and it's counterproductive because you're creating more travel that's unnecessary. Um, By the way, the emperor has also said apparently that novelty t-shirt printers are essential businesses, it would seem, because she took the time during this emergency to appear on Comedy Central wearing a custom t-shirt she made for herself or she had made for herself. You can see that right here. Uh, And it says, that woman from Michigan. And that's a reference to, I guess, Trump referred to her as that woman in Michigan or a woman from Michigan or something. And so she had a, you know, she she, she had a a custom t-shirt. Does that make sense? So you can't buy seeds, but you can make a custom t-shirt. That's that's essential. No, it doesn't make sense, but she's in power, you peasant scum. And it's just as simple as that. You can buy lottery tickets too, by the way, in Michigan. You can go to the gas station and buy lottery tickets. You can buy scratch-offs, whatever you want. Can't buy furniture, can't buy paint, can't buy seeds. You can buy lottery tickets. Does that make sense? No. Once again, it doesn't, but it doesn't matter because uh, what she says goes. This is about a petty, ridiculous person who has been given the opportunity to live out her fantasy as essentially a political dominatrix. And that's what's happening here. You know, this whole experience... As this has been happening, I've been thinking a lot about, speaking before of of, uh, managers at pizza places, the reason I use that example, I was thinking of a a manager I had when I worked as a pizza chef as a teenager. And I was a chef, okay? I could could do things like, I could do the thing where you spin the dough in the air, and I was pretty good. So that's that's chef stuff. I wasn't just a guy working at a pizza place. Uh, But my manager at that job was just an absolute tyrant. He had minimal, uh, just a minimal amount of control over the high schoolers who worked for him during his shift, and he exploited it to the fullest extent. So if that power was in like a sponge, he, he, he was wringing that sponge out and just getting every last drop and morsel he could of power out of that thing, right? And we've all had bosses like this. We've had teachers like this. Uh, there are people in every profession, in every line of work. We've encountered customer service representatives like this. I mean, if you've ever uh, called, you've had to call someplace, a 1-800 number, and deal with someone at a call center, and we've all had an experience where 
the person you're talking to is they, they have a, a minimal amount of control. This is just somebody working at a call center. They have very little power. But right now in this moment, because you need something from them, and they have the thing you need, even if it's just something like information or you need them to pass you along to somebody else who has the information you need, they're going to exploit that power as much as possible just because they can. And they're going to be difficult and they're going to try to make your life miserable because they're miserable. So we've all encountered people like this. Um, now, then we have to think, you know, who, who generally are the sorts of people who even want to be politicians, who want to have this kind of power and control? Well, it's exactly like, it's exactly these sorts of people. The tyrannical boss at a pizza place or that jerk at the call center. I mean, these, these narcissists who are miserable people and want to control others. Now, that, that, that doesn't have to be your motivation for wanting to become a politician. It's possible in theory that you could be motivated by a desire for public service. And I'm willing to believe that there might be, of all the politicians in America, there might right now be maybe like three or four of them who are motivated by a desire for public service. But the vast majority of them are just the petty narcissists. And that's why they became politicians. And now they're in a position where uh, they have been giving, given basically unlimited power over large numbers of people. And they're going to exploit it to the fullest extent. And that's exactly why they shouldn't be given that power to begin with. All right, let's go to uh, news headlines. Number one. Here's a report from, uh, it's called Spectrum News, New York. And I thought this was an interesting report. Watch this. Delta Airlines is temporarily changing the way passengers board its planes. Travelers whose seats are in the last row will board first, and then the process will make its way row by row to the front with those passengers boarding last. Passengers will have to wait for their row number to be called. This change is so that people will interact less while getting to their seats. Customers in first or business class can still board whenever they want. They are being encouraged to wait for their row to be called. And there will still be pre-boarding processes for those who need extra time or assistance. Delta says the changes will stay in place until May 31st. First of all, what's up with the people boarding the plane in that package you watched there? You see how they were all smiling as they got on the plane? Nobody looks like that when they're boarding a plane. Everyone is, is just gloomy and miserable, especially on a Delta flight, of all things. But uh, more to the point, why did it take a pandemic for airlines to adopt a sane boarding procedure? Obviously, this is one of the things that has perplexed uh, airline passengers like myself for years. Why, why do you start by boarding the people in the front of the plane? And then you have, it just, it takes, it makes the, it, it makes the, the whole procedure five times as long as it needs to be. So you start people in the back and then you fill in from there. And I guess part of the reason they changed it is because they want to give the people who are in first class and the, you know, people in comfort, the comfort section. So they get like two inches more of leg room than everybody else. They want to give them the privilege and honor of boarding the plane first. But I never understood that either. Because on the, on the rare occasion where someone's been paying for my flight and I get to fly first class because I'd never pay for it myself, um, I, I, don't, I don't really consider it a great honor to board the flight first. Because then you're just, you're just sitting on the plane longer than everybody else. Why is that so exciting? 
So that's uh, at least this is one good thing that will come of the whole pandemic is that airlines will start boarding in a reasonable way. Number two, speaking of uh, tyranny, reading now in a report from Amanda Presti-Giacomo in the Daily Wire, it says, after fighting a grueling seven-year legal battle, battle for respectfully declining to create a cake for a same-sex wedding, openly Christian baker Jack Phillips landed a 7-2 ruling in his favor at the Supreme Court. The win was not enough, however. The same Colorado agency that went after Phillips over the same-sex wedding cake then sued the cake artist for refusing to create a gender transition celebration. Um, and that was the, uh, so that he was he was first sued by the gay couple that wanted the, the gay wedding cake. That goes to the Supreme Court. And then you've got this transgender person who comes in and wants a gender transition cake. After all that's over, and he he basically won in the Supreme Court, he, he all but achieved a victory in the Supreme Court. Um, after that happens, then you've got this person, Autumn Scardina, who comes in for a gender transition cake in an, in an obvious int- attempt to, to just entrap Jack Phillips and find an excuse to sue. He gets the excuse to sue, and now the latest is that there's a second lawsuit. Um, this is going back to court again. And from the same person, Autumn Scardina, um, and it just, it never ends. Jack Phillips, you know, he has been, this all started, when did this start? This started, I think, in 2012, I believe, 2013, I mean, around there. It's been, it's been many, many years, and it all just started with Jack Phillips not even refusing to make a cake for a gay couple. That's not what happened. You know, he just he didn't want to make a custom cake for a gay wedding. He was willing to sell the gay couple any pastry or dessert they wanted in the entire store. They could have whatever they wanted. It's just, I don't want to make a custom cake specifically for a gay wedding. All starts with that, and here we are six, seven years later, and uh, it still has not ended. Uh, number three, a team of researchers published a paper in the journal M Systems, And in their paper, they say that uh, two of the best things we can do to fight the coronavirus, according to them, is one, get fresh air, two, get lots of sun. Now, it's not known to what extent sunlight kills the virus, but we do know in general that sunlight is a great disinfectant when it comes to germs and and, and viruses and so on. Uh, Plus, lots of air circulation obviously is going to reduce your risk of contracting a virus. when If somebody coughs or something a few feet from you and you're inside... And you've got all that stale, still recirculated air. There's a much greater likelihood you're going to get infected than if you're outside and there's there's tons of fresh air and the air is circulating and moving and everything and there's wind and a breeze. Uh, obviously, there's going to be less of a chance of you getting infected. Now, I bring that up because what have many states and localities done? In many places, they've shut down parks, they've banned outdoor recreation, uh, they're arresting people who go to the beach. It sounds like to me, speaking of beaches in particular, it seems like one of the best possible places you could be right now is on a beach. You've got lots of fresh air. You've got lots of heat, lots of sunlight, lots of space. There's probably no better place to be for avoiding a virus. But instead, what have many places done? They shut down the beaches and said, no, go to your home where there's a much greater chance of circulating and spreading and contracting the virus. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, finally, Chris Cuomo, CNN anchor, was on Sirius, Sirius XM Radio, and he had quite a lot to say about his job and, and the media in general. Um, take a listen. 
I don't want to spend my time doing things that I don't think are valuable enough to me personally. Like what? Well, I don't like what I do professionally, I've decided. Um, I like doing this show. I like talking to you guys. But I don't value indulging irrationality, hyperpartisanship. I don't think it's worth my time. And I don't want some jacket loser, fat tire biker um, to be able to pull over uh, and get in my face and in my space and talk bullshit to me. I don't want to hear it. And just like you would, right? You, you're not going to tolerate that, right? Some cat just basically pulls up in the driveway next to yours and starts getting in your face about stuff. How, how's that going to go? How's that going to go, right? That matters to me more than making millions of dollars a year. That matters to me more. Why? Because I've saved my money. Some honesty there, which I respect. And also, it seems like one of the reasons he doesn't like his job and, and doesn't want his job anymore is that uh, he wants to be able to yell at or punch or insult someone who insults him. The, the, the fact that he's not able to do that uh, because he's a public figure upsets him, and, and, and he would be willing to give up his multi-million dollar a year job just so he can, just so he can have the ability to insult people who insult him. I respect that, personally. I, I really do. Um, so, let's, uh, there's not a lot I can, I, I can't often say that about CNN anchors, but that at least I can respect. Let's go to your daily cancellation. Well, I had to let the New York Times off the hook yesterday because I had to cancel um, our chickens instead, which if you didn't watch the show yesterday, we'll just leave it there. No context. But uh, today, we're going to circle back and cancel them. You, you remember the, the New York Times published a piece over the weekend, which went to absurd lengths to essentially absolve Joe Biden of the sexual assault charge made against him by Tara Reid. Um, this after, first of all, taking many days and, or weeks, really, to even acknowledge the story in the first place. Uh, and then, meanwhile, the Times in the past has jumped on sexual assault claims made against other people and reported them right away, uh, uncritically, and it just so happens, coincidentally, they usually do that when the person who is being accused is a Republican. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Well, Dean Baquet, executive editor of the Times, was being interviewed in the Times, by the Times, for some reason, about all of this. And that was published yesterday. I want to read just one of these uh, exchanges to you. Um, so, a uh, question. I've been looking at the Times' coverage of Justice Brett M. Kavanaugh. I want to focus particularly on the Julie Swetnick allegation. She was the one who was represented by Michael Avenatti and who suggested that Kavanaugh had been involved in frat house rapes and then appeared to walk back elements of her allegations. The Times wrote that, uh, that's, the Times wrote that story the same day she made the allegation, noting that, quote, none of Ms. Swetnick's claims could be independently corroborated. Why was Kavanaugh treated differently? That's the question. We'll get to the answer in a second. But remember, it took them many days to even acknowledge this claim, this allegation against uh, Joe Biden. And then when they do, they essentially exonerate him. Uh, but let, let's remember the Julie Sweat. Now, now we, re we remember Christine Ford, that allegation, which there was no evidence for. She didn't even remember most of the details. No witnesses. Nobody corroborated anything. 
So that was bad enough. Julie Swetnick, she was the one who claimed not just that Kavanaugh was involved in rapes at frat houses. She claimed that he was essentially the ringleader of a, of a, of a group of gang rapists who were known to show up at parties and rape women. They were just, just like, according to her, everybody knew this. And yet, according to her, uh, women would still go to these parties with these gang rapists. The, the story was completely ridiculous. It's not just that there was no evidence for it. It's that it was a on-its-face absurd story. Uh, and the New York Times published it the same day that it was made. Okay, now here's the answer that Dean Baquet gives. He says, Kavanaugh was already in a public forum in a large way. Kavanaugh's status as a Supreme Court justice was in question because of a serious, of a very serious allegation. And when I say in a public way, I don't mean in the public way of Tara Reid's. If you ask the average person in America, they didn't know about the Tara Reid case. So I thought in that case, if the New York Times was going to introduce this to readers, we needed to introduce it with some reporting and perspective. Kavanaugh was in a very different situation. It was a live, ongoing story that had become the biggest political story in the country. It was just a different news judgment moment. Oh my gosh. I Look, in, in, in fairness to Dean Baquet, uh, there's no good answer to give because, of course, the real answer is they're a bunch of partisan hacks. So that's the real answer. And I, I would respect the hell out of him, actually, if he had just come out and said that. I wish that had been, his, his answer should have just been, and I would have respected it if he had said, listen, you guys know what's up here, okay? We're partisan hacks. Biden's a Democrat, different rules, okay? I mean, what, you think we care about, about sexual assault? Come on. Uh, but no, he, he's not going to say that. And so if he's not going to go with the truth, there really is no good answer to give. But even without a good answer or excuse, he, 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 he could have given it a little bit more effort. Kavanaugh was in a public forum. Uh, yes, he was. But I don't know. I, don't you think that, that a presidential campaign is a public forum? Uh, the former vice president running for president, now the presumptive nominee. I, I, you know, I don't know. I would call that a public forum, too. Not just a public forum, but a public forum in a large way. In fact, I would argue that a presidential candidate for a major party has a much bigger public forum than uh, someone who's been appointed as a Supreme Court justice. Um, and then he says, uh, so that, that excuse doesn't wash at all. And then he says, uh, if you ask the average person in America, they don't know about the Tara Reid case. Yeah, why don't they know about it, Dean? Because people like you aren't telling them. They don't know about it because you are, are going out of your way to bury the story. So the media goes out of its way to bury the story and then uses as justification for burying it the fact that it was buried. Well, we had to bury it. I mean, it's been buried. What are we supposed to do? It's buried. We buried it. We had to bury it because we buried it. Amazing. Really amazing. Okay, let's go uh, finally to emails. Matt, uh, you can always email the show by becoming a Daily Wire member, and you can uh, access the mailbag that way. This is from Damon, says, love your show. While I see how people might get the wrong impression from the nurses posting the dancing videos, they are still wrong impressions. You saying that they are doing this while people are dying is a misrepresentation. 
You saying they must have plenty of time on their hands is a misrepresentation. You claiming that it is especially bad during this time is a misrepresentation of how things work in a hospital. Being a nurse myself, I think you shouldn't disparage them without actually understanding how things work on a hospital floor. Just my opinion. Thanks for having a great show, though. Well, you call it all misrepresentations, but then you don't explain. So I don't know how to respond to this exactly. Um, first of all, there, there are two things we know here. People are dying. Okay. Um, the, the virus is a very real thing. I never said it was a hoax. It's a very real thing. It's a very serious thing. My point has simply been the way the government is responding to the, to the, to the virus is, uh, is tyrannical, counterproductive, arbitrary, wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are better ways of responding. So people are dying. It's not a misrepresentation. That is actually happening. And the way I look at it, these dancing videos of nurses, um, there, there are two possibilities, right? Either these videos are being, and these, these dances are being choreographed in hospitals where people are dying of the coronavirus, or not. In either case, it's not good. Because if people are dying of a pandemic in your hospital and you're downstairs choreographing a dance routine and then posting it online, I would say that's not a very appropriate response and that's just not an appropriate time. By the way, the media, they're the ones who have compared this to 9-11. And I guess now they would say that this is whatever, uh, 10 times worse than 9-11 or something by by the death toll. So they're the ones who made this 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 comparison. Um, they're also the ones who have defended these videos. Well, so if that comparison works, then wouldn't this be like a a 9/11 first responder doing a choreographed dance routine at Ground Zero? You know, uh, the week after 9/11. I mean, that's not my comparison. That's the media's comparison. So by, by that logic, it's the same sort of thing. Would anyone deny that that would be wildly inappropriate? And it's not that we're saying that 9-11 first responders can't have any fun or can't enjoy their lives or, or have to be solemn and, and gloomy all the time. But uh, I'm not even saying they can't dance, but probably don't dance on the job. And, uh, and if you do, which you shouldn't, but definitely don't record it and put it online. And then the other possibility is that these dancing videos are being done at hospitals where uh, there there isn't really anybody or hardly anyone dying of the coronavirus. And if that's the case and you've got so much time on your hands, um, then, you know, I think that's going to be very annoying, to put it mildly, for all the people who have lost their jobs because of supposedly overwhelmed hospitals. And then it turns out that actually you've got all these hospitals that are not only overwhelmed, are not only not overwhelmed, but they're but the, the hospital staff have so much time on their hands that they're choreographing dance routines. I think someone who's lost their job or can't go to work will look at that and say, okay, well, maybe I can get back to work then in that case. So that's the point. Uh, this is from Janice. Finally, it says, I'm glad you, you have nothing to do with public health decisions. You are a moron. My questions are, were you born a crack baby? Uh, didn't you get enough, the answer is no to that, by the way. Uh, didn't you get enough oxygen at birth? Not sure. Abused by an uncle when you were a teenager? No. Something is seriously wrong with you. Um, and then uh, she quotes me. 
quote, if you think the government has the right to summarily declare all churches non-essential and then arrest anyone who tries to enter one, you're entitled to make that insanely stupid argument. Just please, I beg you, never again pretend to be a proponent of religious liberty. Yes, that is a quote. I did say that, and I'm exactly right. Uh, and then she continues, this isn't about religious liberty, you effing nut job. These people are fake effing Christians. They are okay with harming others so they can go to church. If you nut jobs had it your way, we'd all be dead. F you and F your fake Christianity. Churches are not essential. Churches and religion are only essential, quote unquote, to people who cannot think rationally and critically. You all claim God is everywhere. Why do you need to be in an effing church? You don't. Effing religious liberty doesn't extend to harming others. You're the insanely stupid one, actually. You even look disturbed. Well, Janice, um, I, I, all I could say is I guess it would take one to know one on, on that end. But, but thank you for that. I, I think I probably don't need to add anything to that. I really do appreciate uh, your perspective and you revealing all of that to everybody. Um, and I, I want to thank you for that. I, I, no response is necessary, I believe. I appreciate the feedback. And we'll leave it there, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Have a great day. Godspeed. Wait, have a great day. God bless and Godspeed. I, I messed it up. See you later. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.